Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for Savage Critics website. Here comes the conclusion to episode 53, with Graham McMillan and I discussing the recent DC showcase, The Trial of the Flash, Mark Miller's run on Ultimate X-Men and The Authority, Ultimate Fallout number 6, Wonder Woman Retroactive, and a troubling trend with Diamond's distribution, and, as ever, much more. Also, if you feel like sending us gossip, questions, or idle chit-chat, now you can at the email waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. As ever, we hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Did you did you pick up the Trial of the Flash showcase? Did yes, that, I, did that... yes, I did. Good, good man. And <laughs> good. Did that come uh, out last week, or was did, that this week? It did come out last week. Okay, because Hib still had it on the new shelf, so I picked it up. But uh, oh, did you... you'll, you'll um, potentially enjoy it. <laughs> Dude, I have to say, I am 179 pages into it, and I'm I'm really impressed at how weird it is. Oh, it, oh, it gets weirder. Have you? Where are you? What lawyer does he have? Put it uh, he he just actually has ran several thousand miles to like save his first lawyer from the exploding bomb. And then which, he's trying to run him does, to the thing. Which I yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of the country. And he goes, I think I hear a bomb about to go off. And then he gets there in time for the shockwave, which I fucking love. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. What really... What's great about it is you realize, first of all, that he doesn't know that the book's going to be cancelled until fairly late on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like he's like, I'm wrapping up the Flash. Uh, and you, once you make that realization, you realize he's just trying to create a whole new status quo and a whole new supporting cast. Right. And that's when it gets kind of weird because you're like, well, this obviously isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he carried it up for two years, so it's fairly fucking sustainable. But right. it's not really sustainable. So when all of a sudden he's like, you know, the second lawyer is going to be essentially the most important supporting player in the book. Mm. You're kind of like, where are you going with this? What is what is the deal with this? The, the it goes through periods, and it's annoying because they actually cut out a chunk in the middle of the book. They yeah, like I, ten, I noticed. Ten there's like, and then they have like mm-hmm. four missing, and then they have the final ten. Right. Um, and there's stuff that so you don't like you you skip plots, mm-hmm. which is kind of annoying. But there is a sense, and I'm not sure if he meant to do this. But there's a sense of something you didn't really get until recently, which is like superheroes are actually really bad for everyone around them. <laughs> because, no, because, and I'm, this is not a massive spoiler, but, okay, so the Flash's first wife is dead. Right. Flash's second wife has a murder attempt on her wedding day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Flash foils, but then she goes nuts as a result of that. I'm and, loving that And shit. ends up in an asylum. Yeah. All because yeah, yeah. he's he's like tried to be a good guy, and everything he does makes life worse for her. Yeah. The Flash Museum. I don't think this has happened yet. The Flash Museum gets destroyed, mm. and it turns out that basically the people of Central City are much worse off because of the Flash. Another villain of the Flash goes insane because of his obsession with the Flash, mm-hmm. and get, gets that put in an institution. Mm-hmm. Like you really just get the feeling that Carrie Bates is on some level trying to get over the fact that you don't want to get anywhere close to the. <laughs> Because he will <laughs> fuck your life up without meaning to, which is fascinating. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's really I, I'm kind of impressed that he it's almost I feel like he try he was trying to out Marvel Marvel and I kind of like the way that he's going about it because it's like, okay, I'm telling a continuity story, but it's also kind of the like this weird Marvel <laughs> feeling of like because Flash does not have feet of clay in this book, at least in the 170 or 80 pages in. Um, but he does have this – he has this streak where he is like – he cannot believe that this shit is happening to him. And every choice that he makes in his personal life basically goes on to make things worse. What I found interesting about it was it really struck me that the early issues weren't the idea that having – a uh, being a superhero, having a superhero in your life will destroy your life. It's more the idea that having a secret identity is an essentially fucked up thing to do. Yeah, which he then abandons, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, He's like, well, I just can't be Barry Allen anymore. I will destroy Barry Allen's life. Right. And that comes to a really, really weird crescendo before the end of the book. Well, I'm sure I'm already at the point where they're like, Flash, we need you to look to, look for this man, Barry Allen. And I'm like... You know, it's such a weird – again, I'm like, that's just a classic comics twist. But I love the idea that he's kind of like, oh, sure, I'll get right on that and then proceeds to chase down the Angelo Torres who's disappeared and is hanging out with Gorilla Grodd or whatever. Oh, have, but, you, got, have you got the end of that story yet? The Gorilla Grodd story? That's going yes. insane. Yeah, it really does go insane. It go- actually, I mean, there's a lot about it that is just weird and fucked up. But I have to say, like, seeing Carmen Infantino's layouts is amazing. Oh, man. When Frank McLaughlin comes on as, as anchor, which happens like 10 issues in or something, mm-hmm. like, it just suddenly becomes this visually stunning book. Well, you know, there, there's a few issues in between where depending on the inkers, like, you'll get an inker who, like, will just really go to town on the look of one of the characters. Yeah. But... But most of the time, what stuns me is the is the layouts. Some of the layouts are just so adventurous, you know. Like he'll do these weird shots that that's like, you know, the the one that sticks out is he's got there's a there's the shot where the JLA is voting about whether or not to leave him in or, or to vote him out. Like you've got a full page panel that a full page splash that's just a big page of the flash and then these inset heads talking about what they've decided. And it's like, it's really flashy. It really, no pun intended. It really plays up the drama of the moment, but it's also just kind of like a real, like, wow, you couldn't, you couldn't come up with a more, you know, simpler um, layout. And yet the way of making it that, that one shot of Fiona where she's like, in the asylum and she's in a straitjacket and her legs are tied apart and she's upside down and she's got like serious camel toe going on. It's just so fucked up. Like that's the angle you choose to open for a splash page. It's, it's weird. Like it, but, but, but in a satisfying what? way. It really weirdly reminds me of Kirby's layouts for hunger dogs. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, that's why it's not standard Kirby, and it's also not just you know when I was bitching about uh, Kirby Genesis, you were sort of talking about the the dynamic layout stuff as being more, I guess, Neil Adams esque. I'm not sure I agreed with it, but there there are you know there's that school that was coming in in the 70s of like really tilting the panel layouts and things like that, and doing like much more sort of unorthodox 
you know, page layouts to really heighten the tension and stuff. And Infantino switches back and forth between those a, a lot in a really game way. Like you said, it's it's a little bit like uh, Kirby and the Hunger Dogs, but I feel like Kirby's stuff, maybe it's just because I'd read thousands of pages of Kirby by that point, just seemed like such an eye-opener. Here with Infantino, I realize, apart from the classic Flash stuff, which had the occasional stylistic flourish, I'm not as familiar with his stuff. It's really odd seeing, you know, panels where, like, somebody's motorcycle is blowing up and suddenly all of the panels are diagonal and you've got like vibrating characters in them so you can't really see anything and then the next page is like a close-up of somebody's eye you know it's just really really weird shit um so yeah so wait, so are you saying you're enjoying i am i'm definitely enjoying it I'm I'm enjoying the ambition of it. I'm enjoying the weirdness of it, and I'm really enjoying the way that um, that I feel like Bates is trying to figure out a way to sort of keep Barry Allen and sort of the Silver Age idea of a hero while twisting everything into a sort of darker, quote unquote, more realistic prism that's so totally different from everything that we've ended up with previously. I think. And you know? what what is funny about you saying it's realistic is there comes a point, and I, again, I don't want to spoil it, but um, I would say realism is not his aim here at all. Mm. Uh, instead, I almost want to say he's going for a television drama. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's more grounded, perhaps, but it's definitely not more realistic. There is a legal decision that literally, literally makes no sense. <laughs> I mean... Right. At all. In fact, the logical thing to do would be to go in the opposite direction from the way they go. Mm-hmm. Literally to flip it over. Um, but it works really well in a television courtroom drama way. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, so I, I, don't, I right. don't think he's going for realism as much as he's going for a more mainstream form of drama. Right. Well, I, that's. I guess that's what I was trying to get at by realism when I tried to put quotes around it because it's not realistic – but it's different from the way that comics have been handled before. And like you said, a courtroom drama, I mean, back in the 70s, I think that felt more realistic, but maybe I'm just equivocating. I see your point. Well, it's more realistic than, you know, The Flash. Right. Well, (laughs) exactly. But it's somewhere between, like, he's aware, because I'm sure most of those guys writing for DC in the 70s were aware that there was nothing realistic about Marvel's comics at the time either, you know? But for better or for worse, realistic was the tag that kept getting attached to the difference between Marvel and DC. Is Marvel's books seemed, quote-unquote, more realistic, or they seemed more real. And they really, it's impossible that they could be. But they managed to work within their own logic, and that logic sort of took a few more hints from the real world. Yeah, it, it seemed more familiar to the readers. Right. And I sort of felt like that, again, I feel like that's kind of this thing that he's doing with the trial of the Flash, at least. And I'm only in the early stages of it. But the the fact, you know, the fact that real early on, he's like, you know, he has his picture taken, he has his mugshot taken, and they're like, don't worry, we're not going to unmask you, we're not going to fingerprint you, is like, then what's the point of taking a mugshot of him, you know? Like, have you seen a guy in this mask? You know, I mean, it it's silly. And yet, weirdly enough, Bates really makes it work because, of course, he's like, all the police are like, dude, we would, 
we would never do this. You know, we would never the, the, the other thing have is so kind much of, faith in you. Yeah, the other thing is kind of crazy about Trial of Flash is nobody thinks the Flash is guilty. Right. You know I mean? Like, everyone is like, you know, dude, you did what you had to. It sucks. I'm really sorry. But it's like the DA is the only guy who's like, I'm going to get this motherfucker. <laughs> Which is really surreal. <laughs> well, but also for me, the thing that's great, and it'll, I'm sure it'll change as I go in, but it's 180 pages in, and although Flash is like, oh, this is like, he's literally saying why me is to, to, to what's happening in his life. And yet he's never, there's never any doubt that he's going to show up for trial. There's never any doubt that he's going to sit there and get booked, you know, all of the stuff that's happening. And the other thing is like, it also doesn't really impact his life. Like he's like, you know, this has affected everything. And you're like, but you're, you're not in jail. Right. You're running around saving the day is normal. Right. Right. I mean, the the whole thing. an inconvenience. (laughs) Well, he, yeah, and the whole thing that he's like, obviously, I'm never going to have any time as Barry Allen with his trial coming up, so I'll fake my own death and drive my fiance insane. You know, got to be done. You know, it's it's it it's incomprehensible, but it's also it's it's weirdly enjoyable because it seems uh, it almost seems like it makes sense in that dream logic kind of way. Where it doesn't really make sense, sense, but it makes its own weird. Yeah, it, internal... it makes internal sense. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. I find is really funny is, and this is only because I survived the Jeff Johns flash run, uh-huh. and I think survived is the best way of putting it. Um, <laughs> all the way through the run, mm-hmm. Barry Allen's parents are really clear, like really there. Yes, and so it's really funny it's for Flashpoint, for example, which is going on right now. It's basically like, "Mom, you're alive. Everything is wrong." Right. Well, I, the collection, you're like, they were both alive. I, I, I kind of felt that that was going to be one of John's big points for the end of Flashpoint, was that he was going to end Flashpoint and Barry's parents will be alive again. I assume that that's going to be the big thing. But maybe not. Oh, maybe I, totally, I totally don't think so. I think Jeff Johns is far too into the idea of A, tragedy-making heroes, and B, superheroes not having both parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or any parents. I really think I, th- I think there's like a, a fascinating, slightly scary link in Jeff John's brain between uh, being a hero and lacking a parental role model. Well, and when I say it like that, it sounds comedic, but I'm serious. But I don't think it's just his idea. I mean, that's you know. No, no, I don't um, think it's just his idea at all. And I think this is something mm-hmm. that you can actually track through a lot of of superhero comics. But exactly. At the same time, I think he's like really invested in it to the point where he is killing off characters retroactively mm-hmm. to give a whole new motivation to characters. Right. Like Barry Allen's parents were alive and healthy. Mm-hmm. And then he starts writing Barry Allen. He's like, I'm motivated by the unsolved death of my mother that led to my father being put in jail. Right. And you're like, that's a retcon that... What? <laughs> <laughs> he can't, like, Barry Allen can't just be like, a good guy? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's really into the idea of, you know, there has to be pain motivating him. Well, and the, and the truest pain right. is the loss of a parent. Right. I mean, I, I, I see it as a very easy, you know, it's Jeff Johns's mainstream hook, you know? It's like, how do you sell... How would, how would you sell a Flash movie? How would you sell... Like, but, how would you sell these really funny It really flattens out the characters... Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because all of a sudden you're like, well, Superman's parents are dead. 
Okay, that's a given. Batman's parents are dead. That's a given. Okay, but did you know Green Lantern's dad died and that's what inspired him to become a pilot? Do you know that Flash's mother died and that's what inspired him to become... Do you know what I mean? It's all of a sudden it's like, wow, which parents died for Blue Beetle to become a hero? Yeah, but you know, you could actually say that about most of the presidents of the United States as well. <laughs> So they're all superheroes. Well, I'm just saying (laughs) like that doesn't great. So this coincidence has happened in real life. Therefore, it makes better fiction. I'm not saying that it Well, My point is, is that maybe it's not necessarily a coincidence, you know, in, in the fact of the idea that to be the president of the United States, these guys are incredibly driven. I'm glad to, you explained it that way, as opposed to maybe someone who's traveling through time retroactively killing the parents. That, that, that would be great. Sorry, Bill Clinton's dad. I mean, I don't think that they're dead. I think they just, a lot of them I, are. I, I don't think they're absent. dead. I think they traveled through the time stream and they're going to come out to be the Republican nominee for 2012. This is why I fucking hate time travel stories, because that makes total sense once you've introduced the idea of time travel, you know? It's like, well, of course. What? That doesn't make sense. It totally does. If you've got time travel in there, Graham, it makes sense. Like, if somebody's, like, somebody's parent is dead You don't and... kill off a parent on the mantle in the first act if you're not exactly. going to bring them back. travel back in time and make them the presidential candidate in the third act. I think that's just clear, you know? That is the rules of time travel fiction, Graham. You're absolutely right. While I look forward to the inevitable Obama-Lincoln Sr. race (laughs) next year. That would be great, wouldn't it? It's probably better than what we're going to get. We would actually consider ourselves lucky. Uh, I I don't know, man. I I guess what I'm saying is is that I, I will say that as somebody who actually did not follow the Barry Allen Flash titles very closely at all. I maybe had like three books in my entire collection. Reading this was an eye-opener of like, he's got a big-ass supporting cast. Oh, God, you know? yeah. You're like, who are all these policemen? Seriously. It's like Captain pol- Fry? What? Who are you? <laughs> well, see, there you go. It's like, you've got captains, you've got detectives, you've got Miss Spivet, you've got all this other stuff, and then you've got his parents. And I'm like... This is a pretty hefty cast of characters, and it's both really great and really refreshing. Like you, I feel like it, you really show how superhero comics now have boiled down to the idea that no superheroes really know anyone except other superheroes and or their love interest and or their yeah, one which, friend who's which going is to really, die. It really is depressing, isn't it? It, it kind of is. It's kind of like, wow, I didn't really... It wasn't something that I had noticed until seeing it here. And I'm like, huh, this works so much better. I wonder why people don't do it, you know? But we, I think it's just because of, again, you know, storytelling. There's so much – There's, I feel like there's so much less space in comics now than there used to be because of the way that we're telling comics. Um, and so consequently – there's just not room for as many weird quicks and quirks, I guess, you know? It's like you get a chance to introduce a supporting character and then they're made a hero and then the villain kills them to show what a true measure of a hero is really like, you know? And And then then it turns out that supporting character was his parent and then... Had traveled through time. You're not going to let me down. go with this one, I can tell. Um, Spoiler alert, I am actually... (laughs) to the end of Trial of the Flash, which is very time travel heavy. Uh, okay, uh, how exactly? 
I, do you want me to spoil the end of the book for you? No, I don't. Okay, but. all I'm going to say is it really is surprisingly time travel heavy. Again, you think that they would have mentioned this earlier? Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Um, yeah. Honestly, by the time you've got like three issues left, mm-hmm. there's some crazy ass time travel going on. Yeah, I, I, I believe you're right. I mean, it's just sort of, you know, it's weird how frequently the Flash stuff gets tied in with the time travel. I mean, yeah, it's, it is kind of weird. It's like just because you can run fast doesn't mean you have to have time travel all the time. Although, do, do you not remember um, that was Jeff Jones's like thing about uh, the Flash? Mm-hmm. He's like Greenland's really about space. The Flash is really about time. Mm-hmm. Which still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's like, I guess, because he can run fast, so he has more time, but how that translates well, into time travel? I, I See, this is my problem, is because I'm like, yeah, I see that idea, the, the whole, like, we're all running around, but we have less time than ever. Like, it's a good little hook. The thing that's funny is Jeff Johns is like... Then didn't do anything with it? No, his idea of a hook is like, uh, this is going to be something that one character is going to say once or maybe twice, and that's it. No, it's, like, like, it's like his whole cyborg thing. We're all <laughs> cyborgs now. Right. Yeah, it's like and so. Here's Cyborg, and he'll he'll never do anything with that fact. Instead, I know he will feel even more alienated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like we do with our technology, but not really because it's because I'm being lazy. Just like we're being lazy Wait, with yeah, our technology. Yeah, so if you think about it, I, Jeff Johns, am the perfect DC character. <laughs> I'm the avatar of the 21st century. <laughs> I am a lazy cyborg who time travels. <laughs> That's about as good a description as a comic book writer as I think anyone can come up with. So, um, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think what else I've read. Oh, talking about Mark Miller, I read the um, the Ultimate X Men Ultimate Collection Volume One, which is the first year of his Ultimate X Men. Oh man, Th- this is why I did it. It was in the library, and I was like, you know, I remember reading it and just severely disliking it. Mm-hmm. Not just not liking it, but really disliking it. I was like, I was probably like, I, I, I was probably too harsh. I'm going to go back and reread it, or I can make it halfway through and then have to stop myself physically throwing the book across the room. Yes, yes. Holy mother of God! Is that a terrible, wretched comic? It is bad. It is really. It is just so direly crappy. Like I remember. Like I, I swear to God, I bought every issue of of mark miller's run on ultimate x-men and i did why? not enjoy an issue why i kept thinking it would get good i don't know i don't know maybe i didn't buy them all maybe i just read them all because i was working You're in the, the story, story yeah i think i think honestly though i i bought at least like, the i read i read issues of, or whatever do you remember marvel doing dot comics Ugh. that's how i read the majority of them really yes wow jeez that's hilarious. Yeah, no, did you get to, I forget, did you make it through, what What issue is it where, like, Wolverine pushes Cyclops down a well? Is that, like, issue, like... Oh, that's that's not in the first year, anyway. And I, I oh, okay. It. I'm, I'm not joking. I maybe made it to, like, issue seven and then was like, this uh, is appalling. It, it, it really is terrible, <laughs> this, this is it? This is, like, this is horrible. The fact that this made this guy's career is just depressing. I don't, it didn't make his career, though. Well, it made his career at Marvel. It was he's in at Marvel. No, no. I, well, I mean, it, I guess. I mean, didn't it launch the same time as Ultimates? Ultimates came a little bit afterwards. Okay, because Ultimates was the one. Ultimates was the one that really like made him into Mark Miller. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, again, because I th- feel like Marvel 
as it was then and has continued to do since, you know, cherry picked him because of authority. So I kind of feel like, you know, Ultimate X-Men was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's this thing. I, I remember reading Authority and being like, eh. And I remember being kind of excited when he got X-Men, mm-hmm. not because of Authority, but because I liked his... He'd done Superman like, Adventures? Or? Yeah, and he'd done some Justice League stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that could be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I remember just reading him at the time and being like, oh... <laughs> Oh no! It's everything I didn't like about Authority, but more so. Well, I quite i I quite liked his Authority stuff, and so I was kind of hopeful for for both parts of it. And and I think I hadn't really followed his his other stuff. I read some of his Superman Adventures, which I like, but I'm I wasn't I wasn't buying the book religiously or even regularly or anything like that. It was very much the Authority hooked me in. I seem to recall Ultimate X-Men and Ultimates coming out close enough together as to be simultaneous. Um, but I was like, yeah, this book is going to be great. And like, I'm like, wow, this book is still not doing it for me. But I really was like, okay, sooner or later, it's going to be good at some point. And I remember making it all the way to the end of his run and going, wow, that was 30, 40 issues of something. That, <laughs> of something, exactly. Yeah, of something, if that. Frankly, I think something is being generous. Uh, it was it was pages upon pages of nothing. It was so bad, so bad. Anyway, yes, I can't believe that you read that, Graham. I'm very excited for you. <laughs> Are you excited for me? By excited, I mean uh, appalled. I don't know. No, I I don't know. I think it's great that you went back and revisited it. I I'm trying to think if there's. You know, I never finished reading Old Man Logan, and I realize I never will. And I'm just trying to think. There's, like, stuff that... I don't think you could really pay me to read Miller's stuff now. I mean... I, every now and again, I sort of go, I go back, and I'm like, maybe. And then I almost always go away with, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I keep mentioning Enemy of the State and that 12-issue Wolverine thing. The other day, I was thinking, I should reread those. I don't know why. I, I recall enjoying them, you know? And it's like... They're they're very successful for what they are, right? Does that make which, sense? Like they're, they're really good for what they are, right? Which is kind of what I want, you know. Because honestly, the thing is, Ultimate X Men isn't even good for what it is. Oh no, Ultimate X Men I mean? is just plain bad. It's just plain bad. Like Ultimates Volume One of the Ultimates is great for what it is, and Volume Two is pretty bad for what it is. I think, but you know, but. There's just there's those areas where you read stuff and you're like, wow, that was just like it's weird that it was so many issues and they just stank all the way through, you know, in a way that was very un-Mark Miller-ish or you know what I mean? Like, did you read them feeling like, well, this is Mark Miller, but he, but I, I, I don't read, like I started, his approach. I started or? read it being like, this is this is proto Miller. Yeah, Proto Miller. It reads like him when he's trying to be. If he hadn't somehow figured out his magic, you know, bullshit formula, you know? Um, I mean, it's like, Ultimate X Men is also, at least for sheer, stinks of flop sweat. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it just seemed dull. I just remember it being like. It's also, it's also funny because he gets so much. He uses so much at the start that he mm-hmm. leaves himself with nothing for later. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, within the first year, he's done the Sentinels, he's done Magneto, right. uh, and he's done Weapon X. 
Right. Yeah, I, I kind of like, feel those, like he those was are like for three big stories, dude. <laughs> well, I think it was kind of like what the book isn't canceled yet. Fuck. Okay, yeah, I've I mean, got, I've got more to do. Yeah, I mean, I think he toys with maybe the Phoenix stuff, and then I don't know if he goes anywhere with it. No, it's the Phoenix just, stuff he left for to Robert Kirkman eventually. Right. Exactly. Which I mean, you have to give him credit for at least leaving that shit alone. But yeah. No, the ultimate. That, that's stuff. pretty much all the only credit you have to give him, based upon. The, really, that, honestly, yes, yeah. Because I, that just what's interesting though is that also the Ultimate Collection also includes Bendis' script for the first issue before he begged off the book. Wow, that would have been interesting. It's a completely different book. It's stunningly different, including the cast is really different. Really, the cast is Angel, mm-hmm. Beast, Gambit, Rogue, and Professor Xavier. Wow. Wow, that is a weird cast. And they're not a team in the first issue. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me. But, like, uh, they don't even, like, know each other. The first issue basically ends with, uh, you know, them all being completely separated and Xavier being like, hmm, maybe I should make a super team. Right. And it probably would have taken him, like, three to six issues to bring them together, you know, because that's... That was how that was how they rolled in the Ultimates way back when, you know. I mean, it was it couldn't it couldn't have been more slow in some. Oh, cases. talking about slow, I read Ultimate Fallout uh, issue six. Yes, and so the cover of Ultimate Fallout issue six is Captain America looking at his helmet uh, in front of some rubble. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Based on that cover, what do you think happens in the issue? Uh. Uh, Captain, um, but, uh, he is mourning the death of Ultimate Bucky after they have an Ultimate motorcycle accident, and he has to bury him out in the woods. It's a good guess, but try this: Ultimate Captain America doesn't appear in the issue at all. <laughs> that was actually my second guess. <laughs> this is, by the way, the monologue from um, Ultimate Nick Fury mm-hmm. to Ultimate Mary Jane that closes the series. I loved him. I met him when he was just a baby. His parents were working on a project for us. And Mary Jane says, you knew his parents? Yes. When his parents died, I wondered if there was any way I could be able to do right by them. And then I was so excited when he had the accident that gave him his powers. Now I could do something. I was grooming him, you know. I was so sure that he would grow up to be the man his father wanted him to be and so much more. This brave, one-of-a-kind, genius little boy. Irony, one-of-a-kind. I should have taught him more. I should have slowed the world down so that a boy like that could become the man he was supposed to become. I understand that you're looking someone for blame for this. My point is, you blame me. And I came here to tell you, you're absolutely right. And I shit you not, the last page of the series is Ultimate Victory crying one tear. Please tell me that he actually lifts up the eye patch. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Um, That would have been great. It's it's terrible. Um, It's also hilarious that uh, Ultimate Gwen Stacy dyes her hair black so no one recognizes her, marking the second time in Ultimate Spider-Man continuity our character has done that, and it's worked, suggesting (laughs) that Brian Bentis doesn't know how hair dye works. (laughs) Um... And yeah, so I, I ultimate Gwen Stacy and ultimate uh, and me relocates to France 
What? Just, just because. Because I'm like, we can't deal with this pressure. Uh, Tony Stark said he'd take us somewhere. Let's go to France. Um, France, New Jersey? <laughs> no, no, the other France. Paris, France? Yes. Or like the with the, yes. where the... Yes. The what? French, French France, yeah. Where the French are? Like yes. they decide yes. to go there? Yes. Um, and then Ultimate Captain America quits, but you don't see him quit. You just see Ultimate Nick Fury telling this random guy he's quits. And then Ultimate Nick Fury goes and has that monologue with Ultimate Mary Jane. So this was like Ultimate Filler is what it was. This was six issues of Ultimate Filler. Wow. That, at at three ninety nine per issue. I'm going to count the number of pages in this issue because the other, like all the other issues, have had like nineteen, twenty pages. One, two, three, four, five. So that's almost twenty four dollars. No, wait, my math is bad. No, that's right. Twenty four dollars minus six cents. Twenty three dollars and ninety three cents worth of filler. Man. Twenty one pages. They're really pushing the boat out this time. Wow. That's Smokes. Awesome. Thanks, Con. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, yeah. comics. It's 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 interesting. It, yeah, it's it, it's kind of terrible to be honest. It, the art has been lovely. Uh, apart <laughs> apart from Mark Bagley, Mark Bagley's been in there. But apart from Mark Bagley, the art's been lovely. Oh, I see. What what do you, as in like you don't like Bagley or Bagley's doing Bagley. stuff that? Interesting, interesting. I was talking to someone. My friend John also does not like Mark Bagley. So uh, there's a um, reason for that. He's really bland. He's not even bad. He's just mm-hmm. bland. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I mean, I'll say this. The, his last page of um, hilariously uh, Ultimate Nick Fury crying. Yeah. At first, I did wonder if it was uh, Brian Hitch. Well, there you go. So there is that. Uh, so yeah, you get the Ultimate Nick Fury crying, then you turn the page and goes, it's here, Ultimate Comics Reborn, launching August 2011, and it's got the covers of the new books. I am stunned that a company like Marvel Comics, which is owned by Disney, which owns the world cannot hire a competent graphic designer every single one of these book covers is ugly as sin yeah yeah every one of the logos is appallingly inexcusably ugly well because they're so aren't they like ultimate comics ultimate avengers ultimate or something ultimate like comics, that the avengers ultimate comics hawkeye ultimate comics spider-man and ultimate comics x-men yeah that's just more logo than you no, need. no, no but, just but like but even if you take away the Ultimate Comics from that, every single one of these logos is maybe cutting edge design from 1984. <laughs> oh, that's so depressing. Oh, it's, it's my just, God. it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's probably something they had their interns do. Like, hey, how many days do you have left before you go back to college? Uh, like three. You're studying. Three. You're studying design, right? You're, you're studying design, 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 right? You're studying. You're, you're studying accounting. It's the same. Because just, just <laughs> exactly. talk, like Hawkeye. Come on, just just write out Hawkeye. Choose a font. Just open right. up fucking Photoshop and choose a font. Well, see that? That's what I was thinking. It's like, well, I study accounting, but I do know Illustrator. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my my brother once had a copy of Illustrator. Yeah, exactly. I, I've read a magazine. I know what a font is. Great. <laughs> You're, You're on it. it. Boy, oh boy, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> We're not paying you, remember? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Ultimate Fallout has been 
appalling. Really, really, really bad. Although, it has to be said, the best parts of it have been the Bendis-written segments. There's, like, the one thing that makes me think that Ultimate Spider-Man, like, new Ultimate Spider-Man, is going to be readable. Yeah, I think I think it will be. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm still on the fence about whether or not I'm going to pick it up. I'll pick it up. Come on. Uh, it's just hard, you know. I'm kind of like, oh, Marvel, you, you know, it's just rewarding them for for continuing to be dicks, and it's just it's tough. But I probably will. Yeah, but think of it this way: Are you rewarding them for being dicks, or are you rewarding them for making a black man the uh, lead character in a relatively high-profile book? Let me. Let me answer your question with another question. Do you think <laughs> I, I kind of want you to ask me a completely unrelated question? Do you, that would be do you great. Do you think I look fat in this? I was, uh, socks, white or black? Do you? Uh, no. Uh, my question was, what do you think Marvel's going to take from me buying the book? That they can continue to be dicks, or that they could they should make more characters? Is there you know, a choice of color? Do you know what Marvel's going to take from the, you buying the book? Real yeah, my money. Work. My money is what they're going yeah, to take. Well. No, they're going, yeah. they're going to take real lunch's work. That's what I'm... A.K.A. the dicks option. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm like, I kind of don't want to support that. I'm like, but... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's it's. I'm, try, I'm trying to, to outguess the world's most nefarious cynical mastermind you know so i just i don't i honestly have no idea what i'm going to do about it i i admit it but but i do think that if any of those books are going to work it's going to be bendis's book and uh, based on this point if there's any of the books that aren't going to work it's going to be nick spencer's book but i could be wrong i kind of hope that i'm wrong so because i haven't read any of his he had pages in this whole ultimate yes yes he did um Nick, I I am one these days. I'm going to read an expensive book that didn't make doesn't make me think. You really want me to know you've spent some time in politics. <laughs> That's funny because until you pointed it out, I was like, mm. you know, I was just like, ah, you are the. Um, <laughs> and then he said something like, "Can't you form a complete sentence?" As well he should. And I'm like, well, in this case, Nick, E stands for you're trying really hard to make me feel like you can write something meaningful without actually writing anything meaningful. So it's this weird case of trying too hard and somehow still not trying hard enough at the same time. On the plus side, all we can can hope for is that Ultimate X-Men, his series, is going to feature Ultimate Giant Abraham Lincoln statue. Yes. Oh, he actually that would be a great new X Men. Let's face it. You know that would be the best. You know, I, I have to say I've read Morning Glories. Everyone seems to love the old Morning Glories, which is how he made his name. And I should just uh, yeah. Everyone loves Morning Glories. Everyone loves Thunder Agents. Thunder Agents left me comedically cold. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, that bodes well for uh, the upcoming Ultimate stuff. But you haven't tried Morning Glories and Fat Pack because Thunder Agents left you so cold? Yeah, and also it was just one thing. Like, I didn't pick up Morning Glories. And then by the time I was like, have you read this Nick Spencer guy? I was like, oh, DC's just sent me an issue of Thunder Agents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I guess I will be following up on this then. I, I, I might get it because the first trade's like $10. So. Right. Yeah. Hey, so before I forget, I should mention the last book that I – well, it's not the last book that I picked up, but it's the last book that I read. 
Bakuman Volume 6. Hey, I should mention, I have Bakuman Volume 1 waiting for me at the library. Really? Purely I'll based be... on your uh, recommendation. Oh, my God. Okay. There's... No, no pressure there, Jeff. Right. Well, in that case, there's only one thing that I can ask of you, Graham, which is... <laughs> Let's never do the podcast again. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> never talk to me again. No. Uh, also, read Volume 2, because Volume 1 is kind of like, you're like, really? This is kind of a mix of weird melodramatic jibbity-jab. But I think if you read the second volume... I, I can go for weird melodramatic jibbity-jab. Okay, well, we'll see. Because Volume 6 is interesting. It brings back the melodramatic jibbity-jab of Volume 1 in force. And it's really interesting that it... Like, Volume 5, which is is has probably been my favorite volume to date. So, Volume 6 is like, I picked it up, I tore into it. It's got... It's really interesting because, it, on the one hand, it deals with, I think... Um, at least based on seeing <laughs> seeing the American comics industry, it's based on probably one of the more realistic problems that you can come across for mainstream comic creators these days, which is sudden illness. But the way it handles it goes on to be so, like, somehow understated and over the top at the same time. Um, but what's fascinating about it is it leads to no shit, like, 80 pages of comics political uh, maneuvering, you know, that's all like editorial versus the freelancers versus the assistant editors caught in the middle trying to mediate. Great stuff. Really enjoyable. Still not the pure heroine that volumes four and five were for me, but uh, I really do hope that you make it through volume one and want to keep continuing because I think it's just going to like blow well, your mind. What you've got to remember is I, will, I read lots of random shit and the fact that I'm getting it from library means I don't spend any money on it. So even if right. I, I'm completely ambivalent in volume one, chances are I just keep reading them just because you love them so much and I'll be like, <laughs> what is he seeing in this? That would be great because I would hope at some point that you would catch on as opposed to... Bear, bear in mind, I got that whole insane in the brain arc of Wolverine. <laughs> Because you're like, I really like it. I was like, there's no, no way I would enjoy this. However, it's not costing me any money. That I is true. I'm, and I'm so glad you did. And you were like, what the hell, Jeff? Yeah, I was what like, the hell? Really? This is what you like? Uh, the, these are the books I pick, uh, wait to pick up at the library. Uh, Back of Man, Volume 1. Uh, the two collections of The Authority Revolution, which is Ed Brubaker's year-long run on The Authority. Ah. Les Daniels' Superman in the Complete History, which I'm not entirely sure why I asked for, but apparently I've got it. Absolute Dark Knight, because I've never made it all the way through DK2. Really? Yeah, never. So I will finally make it all the way through DK2. Um, and West Coast Avengers Family Ties. That's right. It's the first Engelhardt issues. Oh of my West god, Coast. fuck you. I can't even believe you're getting that free through the library. Like, I, I issues of West Coast Avengers, my friend. Oh my God! the The closest that I could get through my library system would be interlibrary like, loans, Jeff. Would be an old videotape. Actually, I do have to give. Um, I, I actually is it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I need to give big props to Carl Walker, who was kind enough to email me and suggest sort of explain how, the best way to approach interlibrary loans. Um, in San Francisco, which is using the Link Plus catalog at csul.iii.com. Uh, 
and half of the Bay Area libraries are linked to it, including San Francisco. You can request anything, and I only need my San Francisco card to be able to do it. Do you want to know what I have uh, requested on interlibrary loans that you will be doing as soon as I say it? Yes. Steve Englehart's three novels for Tor. Oh, my God. You know, I honestly, I didn't I mention this? I had The Point Man, which is the first of the three novels, the original 78 printing or whatever it is, sitting on my shelf for about 15 years and I finally just sold it because I realized I was never going to read it that, um, that was that was a mistake right there <laughs> well to be fair it sounds like I can get it out of the library very easily but no I mean I, I found Don McGregor's The Variable Syndrome and maybe one of his other books I don't remember maybe it was just two collections of short stories I went through a period where I bought Comics writers, non-comic novels, with the ex- exception of Michael Fleischer's two terrifying books, and I d- would be lucky <laughs> if I cracked more than a page of them. You know, you're going to say like, and I made a very bad choice in doing that. I, I did in in many ways. Although there is part of me that's like, I'm not sure if I want to read those Michael Fleischer books or not, considering how much we've. Uh, did I did I tell you that I came across an interview with him? where he he was really terse for the most part but he did say that cuz he was going he was going to college getting his degree while he was writing for 2000 AD and he kept saying he was like the 2000 AD stories were not my best work it's like the closest thing i have to a regret in this business is the fact that I is the complete shitness of the 2080 story. Yeah, he didn't quite say it like that, but he kept using the phrase "not my best work" was definitely branded on there. So you, you, I kind of wish that you had followed up with, "Would you say in fact it's your worst work? <laughs> <laughs> would you say it's unreadable? Just just say that. Would Would you say it's terrible? Yeah. Yeah. Would you was... say you thought that a man could climb out of a spaceship by opening <laughs> a window and then climb back in? Would you say that you actually thought that was possible? <laughs> yeah, you know, I all Are I you can say try, is you're gonna try and defend Fleischer. Uh I man, I, I've dug his other stuff, but one of the things that, that I dig about them is that they are crazy and um, potentially, yeah, ignorant. Uh, but, you know, I, those are pluses for me. But no, no, no. I guess what I was saying is I, I was actually going to talk about the fact that um, the the problem is is that the interviewer is almost too reverent to him. Like, he's kind of like, tell me, what do you think is the appeal of Jonah Hex that keeps your your take on the characters in print? He's like, I have no idea. They don't consult me. They should just send me a check. You know? And it was like, hmm. Oh, God, talking about that, did you see uh, Mark Wade's Twitter today about the DC Retroactive book? No. He was like, I'm nowhere near a sword. Can someone tell me which issue of mine was reprinted in DC's um, Retroactive, the Flash 1990s? Wow. And someone someone responded with, it wasn't one of yours. It's Mark Miller's The Black Flash Part 1, which, you know, spectacular choice. You get Brian Augustine writing the first story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you don't go for a Mark Wade Brian Augustine backup. Oh yeah, what the fuck? But also, Wade's response to that was, "That's what else would I expect from a company that didn't even ask me to do the the, the main story?" And his hashtag was "Stay Classy DC." <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no shit, right? I mean, although I was fascinated, like, I really did have that moment of, like, this is, when I was in the store, like, this is the most that I've seen William Messner Loeb's name on the stands in, in like, a decade. Yeah, at least. I'm like, good for him. I hope they paid him, like, good rates, because I know he needs the cash, but I was just, Also, wow. the thing is, uh, judging at least from the preview, from the Wonder Woman's thing that came out yesterday, which, again, I couldn't pick up. Thanks very much, Diamond. Um... It was awesome. Really? The, the the preview, like six or seven pages, were really, really funny and totally not what I would expect. It's like Wonder Woman and a team of Girl Scouts as they're camping and they're complaining about everything and Wonder Woman's just being a bitch by playing tricks on them. Wow. I kind of wish I had picked that up. I just exactly. looked at it and it went... awesome. <laughs> and the, the art was really nice. The art was Lee Motor, so it was really nice, clear art. Wow. And I, w- I was honestly like, I would pick this up if it was in the store, and then it goes to the store and it's not there. Dude. 38 separate titles missing. 38. They were supposed to get 138 titles in. They only got 100. They that didn't is- get shipped 38 titles? Yeah. That is unbelievable. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um- and so the crazy thing is, so I wrote about that for Newsarama today, right? Oh, good. Just because I was like bitching. <laughs> uh, right. But the comments, holy crap. Yeah? Someone's like, you think this is bad, you should talk to people in California. Really? Yep. Uh, I too have heard this from every, almost every comic store owner I've talked to in California. Wow. Someone. Also, I pre-order monthly shipment from a large online mail order site, and I didn't get the July show previews because Diamond shorted them on their own catalog. Whoa! They shorted them on the catalog. Oh yeah, the, the catalog did not appear in uh, so my uh, my local store as well. Wow, there's something I don't know why the rest of it. I'm like, oh, the rest makes sense, but I'm, I mean, you know, is fucked up. But I'm like, wow, can they actually do that? Like, it's one thing if you short someone of somebody else's book, and you're like, oh, it's distribution problems. No, but, but you're, you're, your you're, own no, book. The, you're like, Distri- the distribution problems make no sense. Mm-hmm. So, for example, a shipment for Portland, okay, all the Portland comic stores, right, comes from the same warehouse, mm-hmm. okay. How mm-hmm. can thirty-eight titles not appear in one store and, but they do appear in another store? They're either at the warehouse or they're not. Do you see well, the thing? right there. I mean, also, there's... here's here's the the hilarious kicker. So I'm talking to the manager yesterday, and I'm like, you know, this is appalling, blah blah blah, and she goes, oh, this is nothing. Last week, the fixes this mm-hmm. the air the overnight airlifted replacement copies to me because they shorted me last week right She's like they shorted me 30 copies of flashpoint issue four holy she fuck. was like what do you think they sent me as a replacement <laughs> and i was, like, I was like flashpoint number three <laughs> exactly i was like 30 issues of flashpoint number four and she goes no they sent me 15 issues of flashpoint the outsider issue three which only came out yesterday <laughs> Well, they said or something that she couldn't even put on sale <laughs> for six days. Oh my god! Oh, that's and apparently fucking horrible. This is not rare. Oh man. Oh. Also, instead of, instead of getting uh, copies of Spider Island, this uh, Amazing Spider-Man, they sent her, and this is this is the kicker. She was apoplectic with comedic rage when she told me this. They sent her Incredible Hulk posters. <laughs> And she's like, because a poster and a comic are so similar. <laughs> so 
sorry, it was ultimate. It was ultimate folly. It was the, the ultimate Spider-Man issue. Okay. Oh my God, that is. Yep. Uh, it's yeah, just, it's just insane. I mean, it's crazy, and there's just there's no there's nothing the retailers can do. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like she says, I can call up my my rep, but my rep is in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and my warehouse is in Mississippi. Right. Right, so it's not like the rep can go like, well, let me go look on the floor and see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, and, and apart, point, apparently when she calls a rep, this time she's like, you've shorted me 38 separate titles. Wow. So apparently the rep was just like, oh, oh, I should do something about that. Yeah, you think? I mean, and again, I this know, is... It's like, really? <laughs> That's the best you can say? There's and thanks to the miracle of being a monopoly, you can't go anywhere else. Exactly. So I mean, retails are really fucked. So right. the entire the entire reason I know this is not because I went to the store and I was like, "There's a lot missing." Right. Because sometimes I just completely forget what's out. I totally and forget. I know this because I went and there's a sign at the new comics. It's like these are the titles we got shorted on this week. Write to the publishers and complain because we cannot do anything with the retailer. We cannot do anything with the distributor. Shit. That's why I talked to her about it. I was like, you guys are really pissed. And she was like, you have no idea. Well, yeah, they should be pissed because, I mean, that is... I mean, it's, it's just fucking them. It's like, yeah, it is. It's fucking It's fucking them because, the, you know, as you will hear Hibbs talk about, your window of opportunity to sell the individual issue is very short. If you short somebody on it... The other thing that's amazing to me is, like, if, if it's some sort of situation where Marvel's ha- uh, Diamond's having any kind of fiscal problems, the idea that they're then airlifting replacement copies on their dime can't be adding to things, to say nothing of fucking up the order the second time around. Yeah, and it's, it's also, you know, so she's having to tell people yesterday, like I saw her tell multiple people, yeah, the replacements might be in tomorrow or they might be in Friday. Shit. And then she's like, yeah, I don't know when they're coming in. I don't even know that they're going to be the replacements that we need. Well, right, because she got fucked last week on it. So it's yeah. like you can't count on it being the right fucking thing. And I said, just because, you know, I was talking to her. I was like, so did every like, is everyone in Portland missing, like, schism? Is everyone in Portland missing schism number three? Right. And she's like, no, but hopefully that doesn't mean you're going to go to someone else and buy it. And that, well, that's, yeah. that's the problem. Right. Like, if, if the... the, the Books, if different people miss different, right? Like, miss different uh, stores, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you can lose your customer because your customer's like, well, you know, especially in Portland where you've got fuckloads of comic stores. Uh, anywhere, any place, anytime anyone gets shorted, or anytime, and this is again, Hibbs' big deal about, you know, the, the classic bullshit of. If you, you know, if you get shorted on copies, if somebody turns around and does a big reveal so that the book's in demand and you have to put limitations on being able to sell it so you have enough for everybody, if somebody walks in and they need the comic book issue and you don't have it and they walk out the door, chances are good you're screwed unless, you know, unless either nobody has it, you know, in which case they might come back or it's just, it's a, it's a classic clusterfuck. It will kill a story. You will kill a story this way, you know? And especially considering how tight the economy is, which I mean is pretty safe to assume that means the economy is tight for comic book owners everywhere, you know. But especially in Oakland, I mean, I I love Excalibur Comics, but I cannot imagine that they go home and jump into their money bins after a relaxing day and just count their you know millions and millions of dollars. No, I mean that's just it. Like 
and it's it's the high profile titles. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you know we've shorted you on right you know, Flashpoint, The Outsider, number three. Yeah, yeah, you've got too many of those. No, but at the same time, they did short them on every other Flashpoint time this week. They didn't get any other Flashpoint tie-ins. And for all you know, they didn't get The Outsider. They just did last week's copies of The Outsider. So. Do you know what I mean? But they didn't, they didn't have any of the other tie-ins. They didn't have Schism. They didn't have the last issues of Justice League. They didn't have the last issue of Legion of Superheroes. Um, yeah, they, they like were missing... They, they were supposed to get 138 titles in, and they only got 100. And the they, thing they, did, crazy. they didn't have the hardcover Wii 3. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Oh, my... Well, because... Which is, you know, kind of that classic, like, if you order it right, it's just money in your pocket for the retailer. And if you short them on that, somebody who's like... Because it's kind of an impulse purchase anyway. Yeah, exactly. Someone who's like, oh, you know, I'll just go to this other store to get the last issue of Justice League. And then they go, and they're like, oh, look, there's the Wii 3 hardcover. Right. It's it's just... It's horrible. Jesus Christ. It's such a mess. And it, it, it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking because what can retailers do? No, I know. Which and that, is... that again is kind of why I wrote the, the news drama piece. Just because I was like, someone should be shaming Diamond. <laughs> like, yes. I know I'm only writing the news drama blog, which no one reads, but at the same time, like, someone should be saying this in public. Someone should be like, shame on you for fucking people. Right. Well, I kind of hope I hope this story gets picked up by. Oh, it won't. <laughs> if there's one thing I've genuinely noticed since I've gone back to Newsrama, I will write something, and then I can think of at least two sites that will pretty much pick it up uh, without attribution within the next two days. So I mean, the story might be picked up, but I wouldn't bet on it. If it's picked up, it'll be like people are talking about it as opposed to. Right. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, I hate to say it because, you know, I, I would love to see you get more credit for, for breaking the story, but I would also like to see this story out there. That's oh, yeah, no, I know. I'd, I'd rather see the story out there than not. Yeah. But um, so all I'm saying is, like, it's, it's not even guaranteed that's going to happen. And I don't think enough people read the news drama blog right. for it to do that. Right. Have you drawn attention to it on Twitter yet? Nope. You sh- Are you going to? I don't know. Maybe. Dude, you should totally. <laughs> you should. You should. I, I also will point it out, but I think we, you know, I think if you pointed it out and said that it's kind of important, like even the, I don't usually link to my own stuff, but I think this is really outrageous and then link to it, you know, I, can I, can I like make that think, clicking noise? Yeah, please do. Okay. Please do. Yeah. Like click, it'd be great. You click on the little link and it's just to the audio file. Of, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should be doing. But yeah, I was I was really like I was frustrated for myself because I wanted to get these comments and I couldn't get these comments. More than that, I was just like upset for the retailer. Mm-hmm. I upset for the retailer, and and it's it's just one of those things where I, like there's enough like coming up next month is going to well, that's be... just it. Like if they if they fuck up next month, mm-hmm. that's a disaster. It's it's especially a disaster because there's going to be day and date digital delivery, and there's going to be a markdown in those prices one month later. Yeah, no, that that's just it. Like I, they didn't get X Men Schism issue three, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, however, could read like day and date digital in Comicsology. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I was going to get it anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about it, right. and so I'll just get this. So I've got something to talk about in the podcast, mm-hmm. and that that's that's going to be. The death of diamonds, right? The, the more books go day and day, day and day digital, 
the more diamond fuck up people's shipments, they'll just be like, oh, I'll just read on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's... Because well, honestly, why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, there's still not a huge overlap, I hope, of, of iPad readers and comic book readers, of, of people reading comic books, but those numbers are, that overlap is growing dramatically day by day. And, you know, the retailers, the, the retailers need as much steady, strong income as they can because they've got to invest in whatever the fuck their future is going to be. You know what I mean? Like it, it just can't be the way that I think that it's been set up before that served them for the last 20 or some, some odd years. But yeah, I think if time and if, if enough people jump off of that, as you point out, like diamonds also fucked as well. So I'll be really curious. I, I, it's not a good thing. I'm shocked that, um, I'm just kind of shocked that it's happening now. It couldn't be, it couldn't be happening at a worse time for retailers, you know? To, to, to start getting the income cut out from under them. Because these are the busy months, you know? This well, is supposed a, to be- apparently this has been going on really badly for two months. Wow. But the periodic fuck-ups have been happening dramatically since January. Well, I've... Because I, I, my first question was, is this because they've got this shipped, switched to juicy shipping? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no. No. It has to do with when they switch to that new centralized distribution warehouse, right? It Isn't that be. back in January, or was that even? I don't know. Was I? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know. This is this is one of those times where we need to have the <laughs> the Ask Hibs app, where you just type something in and you get his like. You get him unable to answer the phone, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. Uh, it really? Is... Are you saying on, on that bombshell? I am. I am. Because, dude, it's like 4.38. I'm about ready to pass out from hunger, and we've been talking for two hours straight. Oh, come on. On that bombshell, on that bombshell that you're just wimping the, out. The point is is that it's never a bombshell. That's the joke, isn't it? And on that, I also, I've discovered that on that bombshell is also used in Top Gear on BBC America. Wow. I, I, after I watched it, they were, they we're both stealing from Alan Partridge, but still... <laughs> Well, at least apparently you have. Hopefully, we have more satisfied listeners than Top Shelf. Uh, than wait, Top Shelf. Wow. Sorry, Top Shelf America. Top. Uh, top. God, top one, Gear. Thank you. I'm like, why am I blocking on this? Uh, yeah, top, I heard it was really terrible. The American one. Oh, the American one I've heard is terrible. But I, I I really like the British one. Oh wait, so the British one they use it on? Yeah. Oh, and you just now caught on because they've been doing. I yeah, I know. I, I have watched it in the longest time, and then I just haven't touched Ah, I see. Because okay. I remember a while ago where you were, I was like, wow, I'm so behind the times for not being obsessed with the secret identity of Racer X or whoever he was. <laughs> that was Speed Racer, I admit. But um, <laughs> It was actually Racer X. That's who it was. They, they took off his mask and it was a cartoon. That would be great. See, now that's a reveal that it doesn't matter how long you build it for, that totally succeeds expectations. Just because no one is expecting that. In the Honestly, when if, something makes absolutely no idea, yeah, no it, sense rather. That's that's when it's a. a yeah. now, no, you say that, and then you look at how people went for the end of Lost. So, uh, yeah, but that ugh, the end of Lost. And on that bombshell. Oh fuck you! All right, fine. 
you get to use the catchphrase as a friends. Uh, okay, so um, listeners, we'll be back next week. Thanks for, uh, as always, your kind indulgences. Do remember to check us out on Twitter if you want and or drop us in a review on iTunes. And I, or, I, I, Email us. I like the idea of, of us getting random emails. So yes, weightwatchpodcast yeah. at gmail.com. That's and send right. us gossip that we can't use on air because <laughs> I'm completely gossipy. Um, send us Hey, the DC-52 have actually gone out to creators as PDFs over the last few days. If you're a creator, send us those. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thanks. (laughs) See, and you get a sultry Graham McMillan thanks in return. Wait, wait, was that sultry? It was kind of sultry. Wow. I'll play it back at some point. I mean, I know it's just supposed to be confidential, but it kind of had that Um. thing. Yeah. (laughs) Graham McMillan is talky-tawny. 